Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Welcome to episode 49, JGB Sports. And this episode is about... The Hall of Fame. Which Hall of Fame? There's like hundreds the of them. Football. <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's a College Football Hall of Fame. I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a High School Football Hall of Fame somewhere in Texas or something crazy like that. Yeah, you're a little bit out of practice though, buddy. It's been a while since we've done any episodes and you left me out to dry, hanging out to dry on the last two. I had all the notes and you were like, nope. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm recording them without you. I don't think they were particularly good. But I want, it was stuff I wanted to talk about. I did want to talk. I can't I believe like, you didn't want to talk about the Savannah like Bananas. Savannah Bananas, that game was amazing as well. But hey, that's the way it goes. So, yeah, we recorded a lot of episodes before we travelled. We've done a lot of travelling this summer. Uh, we were in England for nearly a month, and we didn't see any sporting events. We've just come back from Ohio. Um, you've got basketball camp next week. Um, we've just been particularly busy. Um, having just talked about that, though, we do have some episodes coming up. Um, we are going to talk about Thurman Munson at some point, because mm -hmm. that was relevant for our trip to Ohio. And we did see a Columbus Clippers game. That's our only baseball game we've seen this summer. So we will be doing a review of that at some point. We should and be seeing more baseball games. We haven't had time. We, we've just been... Um, it's kind of difficult when you're in England. There was, and I've talked about this before, the British Baseball Championship. Mm -hmm. The finals were actually when we were on the south coast of England. Mm -hmm. So it was only about an hour and a half away, but we didn't have a car. I looked into bus. buses, trains, I looked into all that stuff. It was just too difficult to do. Just take a taxi. That would have been super expensive. So yeah. it didn't work out, but it was one of those that like, it would have been nice. You wouldn't have known any of the players, but it would have been... It's I would have. It is, it is. I would have been interested in it just because of that. Um, what we, teams were in the final? Oh, that I don't know, because normally it's not just the final. It's kind of a, like a knockout tournament, so there's normally more than one. And the other thing we missed out on, we missed out on the uh, the Gettysburg Classic Baseball, mm -hmm. uh, the two-day event, because same sort of thing. I think we arrived back from England literally that day, so we didn't get a chance to do that. Um, I saw while we are in Ohio, there's a tie, not tie cob, Cy Young uh, day. Um, I think it's from where he was uh, born, talking to the people in the Cleveland... Oh, we did that as well. The Cleveland uh, Baseball Museum as well. Uh -huh. um, we think that's from where he was born. or so. That was like, we missed that as well. So we've just kind of missed out on a few things. There's also one in Detroit where they play old-style baseball as well. Uh, we missed it. It was like a few days after we left Ohio. So we've been a little unlucky as well. But anyway... We got the chance to go to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, a 49-person selection committee met on January 17th to vote on the 19 finalists. And um, I put in my notes here on August 5th, but actually I thought the inductions were today. Because when I actually looked at the countdown, it was like 11 hours. Mm -hmm. So we're recording on the day that this is actually going to happen. The following people will go into the Hall of Fame. Um... Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Darrell Ravis, yep. Rondé Barber, mm -hmm. Don Kerr. I think he's Coyell. Um, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, 
and Ken Riley. Yep, they're the people who are going to be in. So we got nine inductees for this year. We went um, actually a week ago today, as we we're actually recording, mm -hmm. and so we missed. We didn't get to see all the Hall of Fame festivities because I know there's a lot of fan fest stuff going on. Unfortunately, we we're there a week before. Um, it would probably have been too busy anyway, to be honest. So you but probably they... wouldn't be able to do anything. It would probably be like an hour's wait. I, I agree. It would have been crazy. And um, I think the game's probably been... I'm not sure if the game's played on the same day. Uh, that I'm not sure about. I know they have a whole week of activities. But, having gone at the time that we did, they did have a lot of memorabilia out for all these people. So that was kind of, we kind of picked a good time to go. Um, I've been... This is my third time. I went probably in early 2000s when I was first in America. Mm. Um, I took Mason when he was probably a little bit younger than you because he wanted to go. And he didn't really know any of those players at that time. And he wasn't that into football at that when time. When was it? I don't remember exactly. But like he knew a couple of names. But obviously everyone who's famous currently... Is not in the Hall of Fame yet because you've got to wait five years till you like retire. Tom Brady. Exactly. So Tom Brady, like that was you were looking for him. We're like, yeah, he's not going to be in yet. He will be. Give it a few years, he'll definitely be in. But right now, he's only just retired, so he's got to wait a few more years for that. How long does um, Gronk have to wait? Um, I don't think he played last season, so he would have four more years to until he's first in, until he's first eligible to go in. So and now when I went with Mason, it was kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but they had a half price day, so guess what? We went when it was half price day, which I'm mm -hmm. sure most people do. Um, I don't remember the exact prices, but it wasn't too bad. Anyway, I asked you guys, I was like, hey, do you want to go this time? Because Mason's really into football now. Yes. You know a lot more about football. And you guys are like, yeah, yeah, we'll go. And then I looked at the prices. <laughs> $42 to get in. I was like, ooh, that's a little pricey. Because I didn't remember there was being that much stuff there. Anyway, still a good we went on the Thursday because actually people your age, I think it was 12 and under, uh, can get in for $10. So I was like... Psh. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, children's tickets were generally $37. So I'm like, $27 saving. We're definitely going on the Thursday. So that's why we went on the Thursday. And... Um, Boy, has it changed since I last went, but I don't. I didn't remember half the stuff that was there last time, so I don't know if they've just done a done a good upgrade, or it might have been when I went with Mason. He wasn't really interested in some of that stuff, mm -hmm. and sometimes he used to walk around things pretty quickly, or kind of like he did this year <laughs> if he wasn't interested in the museum. So I don't know, but no, it was it was definitely worth it. No problems at all with that. Um, few little facts here. So I talked about that game. The Pro Football Hall of Fame game is an annual NFL exhibition game in Canton, Ohio. Um, so we were only 30 minutes away from Canton where we were, because we, we were with uh, Grandpa, so that was really convenient. Um, it's held the weekend, oh, so it's not on the same day then, held the weekend of the Pro Football's Hall of Fame induction ceremony. The game is played at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. The first game was played in 1962 when ground was broken for the Hall of Fame. So actually at that point, the, the Hall of Fame came second to the game. They had the game first, and then they actually had the, um, the Hall of Fame afterwards, so I'm not sure when it was finally built that part i couldn't f figure out and the two teams that play in the game are typically selected by the league in advance of the remainder of the preseason schedule the participants yeah hold on are usually announced around the time that the new hall of fame members are announced which coincides with super bowl week often oh i didn't even realize that i noticed it was january um and then i guess that was when the finalists were announced and then yeah i didn't even notice that part um often if a particular notable player will be entering the hall of fame that year a team they were strongly associated with may be selected to play in the game to help maximize attendance and publicity so do you remember who's actually going to play them this weekend no. I think it was the Browns and the Jets. Uh, the Browns, definitely I, because I of Joe the Browns Thomas. To win. 
And um, I want to say Darrell Revis, I think. Well, we're going to talk about these players in a little bit. So I think he was the... He was the Jets. But yeah, Mason and I saw Joe Thomas play. Um, the game you went to, he'd already been retired at that point. So, uh, yeah. Um, we actually did something earlier in the morning. We went to the presidential, uh, the William McKinley Presidential Museum, which was really cool, actually. It's the best dinosaur one. Animatronics. <laughs> they got dinosaurs. They got them. They said as a sign, this is but the they... coolest uh, presidential museum you'll ever it go is. to. And I've been to a few, and it was by a long way. It is, and I haven't been to any. Yeah, mommy said it wasn't very good, but she went to when she was um, when she was at school in this area. So that's a long time ago. If it was elementary school, it would have been a long time. They probably didn't have animatronics. I'm so. guessing they didn't. But no, I thought it was it was awesome, and we I only planned on spending an hour, and mommy was like, "Yeah, you won't need more than an hour." And we were there three we, hours, I think. Yeah. We saw the planetarium. Um, where the planetarium. We walked up to the monument. Cool. There was a lot of cool stuff there. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get there until we didn't get there until lunch. Now I said I want you to think about your top three moments so we can talk about it. And you typically thinking with your stomach rather than your head. You wanted to talk about the cafeteria, and I was like, I, I'd like good. to talk about the cafeteria as well, but it's not really that a top food three moment. So go on, tell us about the uh, tell us about the cafeteria because we needed food because we were um, hungry. It was lunch. So they had pizza. <laughs> that, was that, that was it. That was basically why it was a top three moment for you, because they had pizza. Um, and Gatorade. <laughs> and there was also some good desserts, too. Uh, the thing I liked about it, it was only small. It wasn't a big restaurant. I'm using the word cafe, because that's what they called it. And it was. It was a cafeteria. I also... Um, um, they also had a TV with some football on it. Now, that part was cool. They did have that, and they did have a few sort of uh, icons in there, so you could kind of look around, uh, some memorabilia. Um, I joined the line, didn't have to wait particularly long. I got you guys to sit down, because there wasn't many tables left mm -hmm. at this point, but some people did start to leave, actually, so we would have been fine. Um, yeah, you got pizza, uh, Mason got nachos, I got the... Uh, I think it was a pulled pork nachos. There was a few little extra things on top. Um, I got my drinks from, there was a vending machine there. So, um, but yeah, the whole thing for three of us, and you mentioned we had dessert as well. It wasn't anything amazing. It was like a sticky bun or something. Um, I think there was a Pop-Tart as well, but yeah, like it filled us up. We had a main course, uh, which I thought was good quality food as well. We had something for dessert, because I know you guys always like something a little sweet. Uh, like I say, a bottle of Gatorade and different drink. It was less than $10 a person. But for a Hall of Fame, that's ridiculously cheap. Because the only other restaurant they had in the yeah. area, as far as I could tell, was Don Shuler's restaurant. And when I Googled it, it was like five stars for expensiveness. And when I looked at the prices, I was like, oh, hell no, we're not going there. Uh, if necessary, we'll leave the Hall of Fame, find somewhere, and then come back. We tried to get into Subway. Do you remember the problem? It was in a hospital. Yeah, it was in a hospital. So I was like, where am I supposed to park? I'm not paying to park to go to a subway. Because I know they do pizza as well. But um, yeah, no, the, the cafeteria was awesome. Um, the people who were working there were really busy. Uh, I felt kind of bad for them. They didn't seem to have as many people as perhaps they needed to do. But th they were super helpful, super nice. Um, and then once we got our food, we actually had to walk through half of the museum just to get to the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. So, because um, I thought at one point, after we'd been walking for two and a half hours, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, we haven't even seen the part that we walked through to get to the So the museum is absolutely huge. All right then, JJ, have you thought about those top three moments? Or do you want me to do my moment first? You. I know one thing. Well, I'm going to give you a clue because I know one thing you want to talk about. Oh yeah, the Super Bowl ring. All right. Um, what about the Super Bowl rings? They had like it. They had like a little thing where you can make your own Super Bowl ring. Okay. And well, they gave you like materials and diamonds um, yeah, and stuff got, like that. Like you could pick. They give you real diamonds. No. Okay. It was on like a screen. Oh, it was a computer program. Okay. 
Uh-huh. And you, like, there's three um, kind of rings that you could pick from. Mm -hmm. And I picked whatever the first one was. So you, you, the ring. pictures came out really cool. And then yeah. you could... Kind of, mine was kind of like an O. Mine was kind of like... It was kind of like a um, rectangle, but, like, the long was, like... The long part was curved, kind of. So you got to pick the initial design for the uh -huh. ring, and you could have, like, certain logos on yeah. there. Or you could of have words. Of course I picked the bangles. You picked the... Of course, you picked the bangles, of course. And then you could drag in other little icons, like you could drag in a Super Bowl icon. I, then you could add I in little... two trophies. And then you could add some jewels, I think, as well. Uh -huh. Or little things that you want to do. And then after you'd done it, it came up on the main screen. So I took a, I took a picture of it, and when we release this episode, I'll try and make sure that I include those pictures. Mason did one, obviously, for the Ravens as well. He had uh -huh. two Super Bowl trophies as well, because he said the Ravens had won two Super Bowls. I think that's correct. I, I think put on correct. two, just because it was as much as I could put on. <laughs> but no, I thought that was cool that you could do that. You obviously got to see all the other Super Bowl rings as well. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of cool. No, I thought that was a, a really cool interactive thing that you could do. The only thing I didn't like about it was you couldn't email your... Like, after you'd made yours, you couldn't, like, send an email or anything. So you could receive it later. So I just had to take a picture of the screen. And I took a picture of you next to the screen so you could see it as well. Um, my first one I went from was... And this is something I don't think was there when I was last there. I... I called it the locker room video, and as we were walking around, someone it's like was like, a hologram. "Yeah, someone's like, do you want to go watch the film? It starts in two minutes." So we're like, "Sure, we'll watch." So we're watching this film. It doesn't look particularly very good, and then the doors open, and you're like, "All right, you can go inside now." So like, okay, so you walk in. It's kind of all dark. Um, you can see the the lockers, and inside the lockers, there's uh, some famous. Do you remember? They had, like Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe was there. Yeah. Uh... Dan Marino was there, because that yeah. was the one that I... I don't think Mason sent me that picture yet, actually, I don't know. come to think of it. Because uh, at the end, somebody said, can we take pictures? And like, yeah, yeah, you can take... Who they else would... was there? Um, Joe, Joe Montana, Montana was there, for sure. Um, I want to say Marcus Allen was there, one of the running, famous running back. Um, after that, I'm struggling, to be honest. There was probably about eight different lockers, I would say. Anyway, but then there was benches, and you could mm -hmm. sit down, and you could watch a video. And as you said, it was a hologram. Yeah. Now, the hologram was actually uh, Joe Namath. Uh, yeah. Current day Joe Namath, which I'm actually reading a book about the 1969 Super Bowl right now, featuring Joe Namath. So I was like, this is perfect. Uh, Joe Namath versus Johnny Unitas. I was like, this is perfect for me right now. Who's Johnny Unitas? Who's Johnny Unitas? Oh my gosh, we need a special episode on Johnny Unitas. Uh, Baltimore Colts. He's like one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. His statue's outside the Raven Stadium. I don't uh, know anything about the. Colts. You got his picture next to the his Baltimore statue. Colts. You just walked around the Hall of Fame. We. <laughs> We had a section about Johnny Unitas there as well. All right, well, we need to talk about Johnny Unitas. He's obviously a very old player. Um, but, yeah, they kept bringing in, like, um, he would he would introduce it, Namath would introduce it, and then if they were alive, they kind of brought in a video of those people talking. It was kind of more like a motivational thing. It wasn't really about their careers. It was it basically was, like a locker room speech. It was. It was kind of locker room speech. It was trying to get you to do well, like, uh, make the most out of your life, like, whatever skills you got... Um, I'm trying to remember who the wide receiver was. There was some wide receiver. He said, I'm not particularly quick. Um, not Adam Short. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was. Short. It's driving me crazy. But he's like, and in the end, I became a Hall of Famer. So it just, it was trying to get you to, even though you don't think you might not be the best, always put in like your best efforts. On. And I just really liked it. The special effects were cool. And um, yeah, about 15 minutes later, opened up. And then you could take pictures with the lockers or you could just exit. But no, I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the hologram stuff was really neat. All right, what else you got? Um... You had one thing. Oh, I'm sorry, you had two things. Pizza 
I'm and making a ring. That was I'm it. thinking so you can do yours. <laughs> One thing that kind of surprised me was, compared to some of the other Hall of Fames that I've been to, there wasn't really any interactive games that you could yeah. play that were related to it. Like in the Hockey Hall of Fame, like you can play like a mini game. Uh, you can be a goalkeeper and they fire pucks at you. Like through It shows you a video screen of a player coming up and then it kind of fires, some, a machine fires a puck so it looks like the player shot and you can try and save it. Like there's things like that. You can try shooting. Like there's a lot. Yeah, you have padding. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Uh, but there's a lot of cool things that you can do like like that and there wasn't anything like that there was no chance to like throw a ball there was no chance to like do a touch oh back. having said there's no interactive things right. i remember one more of your moments when i asked you originally was like a Madden the upstairs thing. stuff that you could do so what were some of the upstairs interactive stuff that you oh, could yeah. do um there was like a instant replay um booth yeah there was like a like a chest protector you could put on. Yeah, you could put the pads on. It yeah, kind of t- it was kind of tough for you. You had to reach yeah. up and bring them down to you. But with you not being uh-huh. that tall, it was they were kind of high up. It was yeah. a little difficult to do that. Um, I think um, you could try a helmet on. Yeah, you well. could try a helmet, and it had like um speakers in it. Oh, they had the I forgot about that. They had the quarterbacks helmet, so you could listen to the play. I could hear it just because it was quiet enough anyway, so I could hear it without putting it a helmet loud. on. But obviously, in a game situation, yeah, it was really. You, see you them, have all the crowds. you got the crowd noise, and that's why they push the helmet up against their mm-hmm. ears to try and make the noise closer, but also to block out the, the crowd sound as well. Yeah, no, they had... It was kind of cool, that little video thing, because that's what they do... Well, I don't know if that's exactly what they do now, but you you kind of go to the side of the screen, and then you got the TV module. But yeah, it looked kind of authentic. They did a little bit of talk about it. There was like six different plays that you could call. Mm-hmm. We actually made the right call on yeah. the one that we saw, and I said, come it on, that's fine. it. I was, it was like... Fine. I was like, let's leave, um, because there was there was people behind us who yeah. wanted to go. And then we went to the next section, and then Mason had to go, and then he came back, and he's like, oh, I did all five. I was like, okay. I, was like I bet the line's massive. But he didn't do the first bit that we did, like the introduction part. But uh-huh. yeah, once you'd made the decision, you could choose which angle to watch. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I think we called, what did we call? Was I it an incomplete it pass? I about like 20 seconds. Wasn't it the incomplete pass? Yeah. Because his arm wasn't going, yeah. his arm his was going arm- forward. It was like fumble or incomplete pass yeah. his arm was starting to go forward and then and that's when he grabbed got hit. his arm which uh-huh. like, and pushed it back which kind of forced it forward but i thought that was uh i thought that was a really and cool it was little section pretty obvious i thought that one was i don't know if the other ones were as obvious but the, that one in particular i thought was uh it was obvious. pretty easy to do now my second moment was the actual hall of fame itself where they have the uh, the people's heads oh, yeah. Um, and the reason Mason I picked wanted it, to take a picture of Peyton Manning. <laughs> he did, and I was like, "Oh, is it because?" And I, he obviously knew the joke about would they have enough mold to make his forehead and things like that. And actually, you guys did wanted a picture with Peyton Manning's. <laughs> you guys were being mean. I was like, "All right, I'll take the picture." Now the reason I liked it was when I went with Mason last time, he didn't know who any of those people were, and we went through. I know pretty quickly this time it was they i thought the hall did a much better job of presenting the early players so as we walked through some of those names like oh i just read about that guy like i wouldn't have known who it was before now i know who it is so it really did feel like an educational experience this time but also you guys were looking for specific people and some of the people who i grew up with you guys actually knew this time like you knew dan marino you knew joe montana uh you knew some of those players which i thought was kind of cool and with mason now being a little bit older he kind of recognizes those players who were perhaps drafted fairly recently or in the last one. I wonder so, who's going to uh, be not next. drafted, inducted, sorry. I wonder who might be inducted next 
year. Ah, well, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. They've announced some candidates already uh, for the for the classic players. I don't think they've talked about the, the people who are just eligible this year, mm -hmm. uh, but we will get to that. So, yeah, the Hall of Fame section itself. The only thing I didn't like in the Hall of Fame section, it went year by year to begin with as you walked up one And then wall. it went diagonal. But then, then it went side to side. It went side to side. You kind of walked through a hall and you had to look on the left for one year for like 2010 and then on the right for 2011. On the left. That to me really confused me. I didn't Except like that at if all. If you go like through, you you would have to walk back and then through again. Yeah, and if you went, if you walked on the left and then the right, it, you would have skipped years. It would have gone 10, 12, 14, 16, and as you came back, it would have been 11, 13. So I didn't like that side of it. But if you walked straight through the middle, people were looking at one particular side, then you couldn't always get a photograph either. And also, it was difficult. Mason couldn't get pictures on his phone to begin with. Like, it kept coming out blurry. And as I got home, some of mine were blurry as well. So I think they could do a better job with the lighting in there. But the actual, it was amazing how big that section is and how many people have been inducted. I think they said in the locker room, didn't they say it was like 700 people now who've been inducted? I it was something like so. that. And um, hey, anyway, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. All right, have you thought of anything else that would class as a moment for you? I actually think the one you said before was Peyton Manning's forehead. I, I think that was the third one you told me. No, that wasn't it? Mm. All right, shall I do my last one then and you can see if you can think of anything? Uh-huh. All right, my third one was just the super early days of this. So we were staying in Akron, and um, the reason the Hall of Fame... I guess we didn't even talk about that. I took a picture of the sign, because we read the sign as we walked in that said, the Hall of Fame is here because the first league, um, the meeting was formed in Canton, and that's why the Hall of Fame is here. As soon as we get inside, Mason's like, why is it in Canton? I'm like, oh my God. Like, you need to take your headphones off, buddy, and listen a little bit more. But anyway, the first champions in 1920 were Akron. The Akron pros. And the, the team that I like the name of is the Date Triangles. As a math teacher, I'm not sure what triangle has to do with football. Like, I can't think of any connection there at all. Um, but I, I haven't researched yet. Um, the only reason why I know about the Akron pros is because I watched... You the Hall No, it's because I watched um, a video about the entire history of the NFL. Oh, okay. So you already knew about that. Yeah. I'd forgotten that and side of it. some teams had to, like... Some teams didn't have enough players, like, in the early days. So sure. they just folded. Yeah. And um during World War Two some teams had to um like join together. So they could Merged. still keep yeah. playing. Yep. And have enough players. So the Akron uh, team, um, in nineteen nineteen they only had a five and five record. That doesn't even sound that good. And they were that, actually the uh, they were the Akron Indians at that point as well. Um, in the Ohio League. And the nineteen twenty yeah. Akron Pros had one of only two African American players in the AFPA, uh, Fritz Pollard, who later went on to be in the Football's Hall of Fame in two thousand and five. I wish I'd have looked made an if I'd have noticed that if I'd have known that earlier, I would have looked for that um, the bust in the Hall of Fame, but I didn't see that. Um, even though the pros were given the trophy in nineteen twenty, the league lost track of the event and for a long time published in its own record books that the 1920 championship was undecided. I was like, what? That's ridiculous. Um, it wasn't until 1970 that they announced that the Akron Pros were the actual champions. That's crazy. So the Hall of Fame opened in 62. Mm -hmm. uh, or they put the... I'm actually wondering if they, in the original one they just like, yeah, we don't know who won the first one. Isn't that ridiculous that you wouldn't know who the first one is? Now... I asked you ahead of time on this one, because I was like, I can talk a lot more about the 1920 Akron Pros. I was like, if you, I was like, if you want to do this, it's fine. If you don't, 
I'm just going to do it by myself. I asked you, do you want to review the 1920 uh, AFPA season? Yes. And you've told me yes already. And there's a lot of cool stuff. You mentioned Jim Thorpe earlier. Jim Thorpe is actually featured within that year, which I thought, whoa, Canton mm -hmm. Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. So, oh, there you go. See, oh, Jim Thorpe, there's your yeah. Canton connection straight away. I think... Um if you hear five and five records, you would think that they had six ties. Oh, they don't play. They didn't play sixteen games at that point. I know. And if you but like that, nowadays, if you were five and five, you would think they tied. Six oh, times. and they would list the number of ties. Now I'm actually keeping some stuff back from that season about the why it was undecided and why they didn't record it. They did, but there was a reason why it was undecided. But I want to save that for a future episode because I think that that's kind of uh, interesting that season. And some of the team names are really interesting, like the Canton Bulldogs I just talked about, the Cleveland Tigers. Like to me, Tigers. I'm thinking Detroit. So there's a few strange things in there and there's a few really interesting players as well the maroons so. there was I'm, two teams oh named i forgot Mar about the maroons there was two teams named maroons yeah i'm assuming that's the color they wore but that's a really what if you i don't know what if they played each other would you say um i would I want the Maroons to win. <laughs> and that's why you try and have different team names, obviously. Uh -huh. So, I'm not sure when we'll do this exactly. Probably, we want to try and do some baseball, I'm assuming, at some point. But you asked me last year, hey, once football season starts, do you want to do football? I thought possibly we could review an old season, and then after we've done that, we could talk about what the current season's going to be. So, that's a possible it's idea. It's going to be a Bengals Super Bowl. <laughs> that's a possible idea we could have for JGB in the future. All right, Jay, get back to your notes. Um, let's talk about some of those players then. So tell us about the first player who's going to be inducted tonight. Um, Joe Thomas was an offensive tackle for 11 seasons with the Cleveland Browns in the National Football League. He played college football at Wisconsin and earned unanimous All-American honors and was recognized as the top college interior lineman. Mm -hmm. The Browns chose Thomas with the third overall pick in the 2007 NFL Draft. He was invited to the Pro Bowl in each of his 10 seasons and did not miss a single play in his career until the 2017 season. His 10,330 and 63, I'm sure with some numbers there. Snaps play consecutive snaps. Consecutive snaps is the longest streak since the NFL began recording snaps, snap counts in 1999. Now but, I was gonna. Do you know what it means by unanimous? When it said he was the unanimous All American honors. Uh, no. It means every single person picked him. Every single person said, you're an All-American. So, like, he was really good. The yeah. fact he was invited to the Pro Bowl for his first all, ten seasons. All ten? Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And that stat, stat at the end, he didn't miss a single snap for 10,300... That stat absolutely blew my mind. You like, have to play in a lot You've got to play in every game. You can't be injured. And you can't just suddenly go, oh, hold on, let me sit out for a moment while you put like a, a Band-Aid on my finger or something. Or let me get a drink on the side. He played every I mean, single one. Holy cow. That might be a more impressive stat than Cal Ripken's streak. Yeah, if he needed a Band-Aid, he could just like... Do a few snaps, and then when defense comes on, he can... He would have to wait, I think. Um, yeah. That stat is 
I don't know who's second on that list, but I want to find out a little bit more about that. But when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I did not read that anywhere on the... Um, um, all these reviews I got from uh, from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't see that in the Hall Wikipedia of Fame anyway. Wikipedia is good for this. It can be good for getting research. basic things like this. Now, I picked number two because I wanted to talk about Zach Thomas. Uh, Zach Thomas was a player for the Dolphins. Um, my first jersey I ever got was Dan Marino's because that was my favorite player. But my second jersey I had was Zach Thomas. And I think I had three different Zach Thomas jerseys. Jerseys. I know I had the white jersey, I had the green jersey, and I think I had some. I think I picked up another one, like a couple. So my second, third, and fourth jerseys were pretty much Zach Thomas. So to me, he was a significant player. Uh, middle linebacker, thirteen seasons, played college football for Texas Tech, was recognized as a unanimous All-American as well. He was drafted in the fifth round, uh, 154th overall in the 1996 NFL Draft by the Miami Dolphins, and played for the Dolphins in his first 12 seasons in the NFL before playing the 13th and final season with the Cowboys. Cowboys. I did not remember that at all. That's a real shame. I almost wish he'd kind of retired after 12 so he could have been a Dolphin for life. That one extra year at the end, it's like, ah, I guess the Dolphins didn't want to offer him a contract. He wanted to keep playing, so he did, but he only managed one more year anyway. But yeah, Zach Thomas for me was an awesome player. Um, not difficult to see why he was in, in, is going to be inducted. All right, number three. Um, Number three, Darrell Revis in the NFL for 11 seasons due to his prowess and ability to shut down the receivers of the opposing teams. His spot on the field was nicknamed Revis Island. Hmm. Did not know that. Um, well, why? That, I don't, that, that what make... area of the field? See, I don't understand the logic behind like it could the be name. Basically, though. any place in the field. Yeah, I don't know what the significance of island is on that. Perhaps I'm missing something. There's probably people who are listening right now, like you guys don't. It means island because of. But to me, it I don't know. Didn't make yeah, a lot of sense. Know. All um, right, tell us about his career. He played college football at the University of Pittsburgh. Go Panthers! <laughs> and was selected in the first round of the. In the 2007 NFL Draft by the Jets. Mm -hmm. 2007, again. Yep. Um, where he spent eight non-consecutive seasons during his career. He was named to seven Pro Bowls when... Super Bowl 49 with the Patriots. Um, Darrell Ravis is again, once again, this was another name instantly I recognized. It was like, oh yeah, I can see why he's in. I know it doesn't mean much to you, but to me it was one of those... I don't follow football as closely as other sports, but that was a name that instantly kind of jumped out to me as uh, well. Uh, number four, another one who did as well, uh, DeMarcus Ware. Uh, outside linebacker who played college football at Troy University and was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys with the 11th pick in the first round of the 2005 draft. After spending nine seasons with the Cowboys, uh, where departed in 2013 as the franchise all-time leader in sacks with 117. Uh, he then played three seasons for the Broncos, with whom he won Super Bowl 50 over the Carolina Panthers. And yeah, DeMarcus Ware as well. That was just a name that, like, sack after sack after sack when I was kind of watching football. So it wasn't a surprise that he would be one of those people. And I think the only person that you really recognized who has been inducted is number Rondé five. Barber. Yep, that was about Rondé Barber. Um, Rondé Barber spent his entire 16 years career as a cornerback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is an identical twin brother of Tiki Barber. Now you knew that part because you were talking about on, him before we even read anything. I know. I also know him because um, of um, American Ninja Warrior. Ah, okay. Um, As a former running back for the New York Giants, 
Barber grew up in Roanoke, Virginia, and played college football for the University of Virginia. Now, I just want to pause for a second. Virginia. So I want to make sure you realize them. So Rondé Barber played his whole career for Tampa uh -huh. Bay. His identical twin was the one who was the running back for the Giants. Okay? Yeah. I didn't want you to think that Rondé Barber was a running back as well as a cornerback. Okay? All, All right. right, keep going. 99-7 NFL Draft. In the 1997 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Rondé Barber in the third round as the 66th overall pick. Over the course of his career, Rondé Barber was selected to five Pro Bowls and was selected to the National Football League's all 2000s All-Decade team. Mm. Barber won Super Bowl 37 against the Oakland Raiders. He also holds the record for most consecutive starts by a defensive back. Mm -hmm. Barber was inducted to the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame in 2014. So, of those first five people, and there's nine people who are inducted, the other four are kind of more classic people who didn't make the first ballot or their coaches. Mm -hmm. So, we probably won't talk about as much about those people. Um, but these were the main people. Interesting that some people were, like, super high in the draft. Like, first round, third pick, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. But there's also people like Rondé Barber, 66th pick. Like, it just goes well, to show you all the money that they spend, all the scouts that go and watch these people, and you just don't know. And if we eventually do a review when Tom Brady gets in, I don't even remember what number he was drafted. It was ridiculously low. I don't know. I don't even think it's in the top 100. If you put me on the spot, I think it's nearer 200 than 100. It was, it's just crazy and how... And he's still a good player. Absolutely. You it just never know with him. It might have been that they um thought that other players were better and pick them. And it just doesn't always work out that way. And there's multiple examples of players who were drafted number one who never went on to do anything. Okay. Um, I think you already know this. Do you know what number Michael Jordan was drafted? Uh, I don't remember. It was three. Like, he got overlooked. Number one pick I can't argue with. Um, nope. I think it was Hakeem Olajuwon, which, who turned out to be a great player as well. Who um, second? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's put me on the spot here. This is the famous name that never became anything. I think it's is it Sam Bowie? I might have got that totally wrong. I cannot remember because it was 1984 draft. So I was only your age. Oh, yeah, I was exactly your age when that draft happened. Then on that basis, um, so it's around that area. Actually, I'm wondering if I'm picking the right person at number one as well. I'm actually wondering. I don't think it is. I think it might be the player who played for the Knicks. But yeah, it just goes to show you that you just can't always tell. Like the greatest players in the sport don't always get picked early. Um, I'm sure Tom Brady in the end will go down as one of the top few players in history. And yeah, it just didn't work out that way. Now, I put Rondé Barber towards the end, JJ. I knew it was the person you knew the most, but it was that last sentence that was interesting to me. Barber was inducted into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame in 2014. Mm -hmm. 2014. Like, now, well, that wasn't the reason for me. I was like, there's a Virginia Sports Hall of Fame? On a go. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. So I was like, well, where is it where then? Is... Exactly. So that's why I carried on researching. So the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame honors athletes, coaches, administrators, journalists, and other contributors to the athletics, many of them, or of the more than 350 inductees since 1972, were born in Virginia or enjoyed success in college, professional, amateur, or Olympic sports after moving to the states. Each April, the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inducts eight new members into its ranks. From 2005 to 17, the Hall of Fame operated a museum in Portsmouth, in Portsmouth, Virginia, not Portsmouth, England. In 2017, to reduce expenses and dependence on government support as well as increased sponsorship interest, it changed its business model, closing the building and moving its operations to Virginia Beach. Okay. So I'm not sure if you can actually see it in Virginia Beach or not. That's the part that I'm a little confused by. I'm not sure if it's 
part of uh, some other officers now? Don't know. Anyway, I was kind of curious. Well, first of all, I thought it was people who were born in Virginia when I first looked at it. So, no, it can be you were you moved to the Virginia for sport. Like, like you could said. be on the other side of the world and Good. still get inducted there. Correct. You don't even have to be American to be part of this. Now, I looked through because I was like, I'm just interested. Like, on the Football Hall of Fame, you didn't know everybody was on there. And you said you wanted to go, but there's a lot of people on here who you wouldn't know. So I try to pick out some of the more famous ones. Um, and sometimes people with interest in facts to see if you could figure out what the sport is. So here's your quiz. I'm going to tell you a name of somebody who's inducted into the Hall of Fame. And you've got to tell me what sport they played. Okay? Now, it's alphabetical, so there's no help in terms of like, oh, I wonder if it's this sport. All right, first one, Arthur Ashe. Basketball? Uh, it's tennis. Uh, he was born in Richmond. He's the only um, African-American ever to win the singles title at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, and Australian Open. Uh, he retired in 1980. And actually, at the U.S. Open in uh, New York... Um, part of that is the, one of the stands is named for Arthur Ashe now. So he's he's kind of famous, but obviously the wrong era for you. Now, we're going back a long way for this one, but I know you've heard this name. Leon Day. Football? Uh, no, it's baseball. He's from Alexandria, which I did not know. Uh, Day could play every position with the exception of catcher, oh, and often yeah. was the starting second baseman or center fielder when he was not on the mound. A right-handed oh. pitcher with a trademark no-wind-up delivery, Day excelled at striking batters out, especially with his high-speed fastball. At the same time, he was an above-average contact hitter, which combined with his effectiveness as a base runner and his tenacious fielding. So he would just stand by the rubber step and then throw? Pretty much. He helped cement Day as one of the most dynamic players of the era. Um, pretty much, he was playing his Negro Leagues pitcher. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't as famous yeah, as somebody like Satchel Paige because he was flamboyant. Everyone knew who Satchel was. Um, he was just a, kind of a quiet pitcher. All right, next one, Brian Jordan. And this is a bit of a trick question, which is kind of why it's on the list. I don't know. Uh, basketball? Not basketball. Brian Jordan is a former professional baseball and professional gridiron football player. That's just American football. Jordan played for the Atlanta Falcons as a safety from uh, 1989 to 1991 and played for the St. Louis Cardinals, Atlanta Braves, LA Dodgers, and Texas Rangers as an outfielder from 1992 to 2006. The reason it was interesting to me was when I saw Brian Jordan, I was like, oh, Atlanta Braves. I knew he was a baseball player. I did not know that he was a football player. I'm kind of wondering now, as we collect some of our cards, mm -hmm. there might be people like Deion Sanders. I know you know who Deion Sanders is. Um, and Bo Jackson as well. Who oh, yeah. might be, you can probably get cards as them as football I, players I know and baseball players. I know him as a baseball player, and then I knew that he played football too. Oh, yeah, I don't have, I, don't, I think they in my collections right now, they would be separate. But I might have to look and kind of get, oh actually I have Michael Jordan as well. I have, I have baseball cards for him. I have a Bo Jackson baseball card. I don't think I have one It's a football one. I never really thought about it till now, but that'd be kind of a cool collection. People who play multi-sports. Michael Jackson baseball card. Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> I definitely have Michael Jordan baseball and uh, Michael Jordan basketball. I want a baseball one. Uh, those ones are a little bit rarer. But I'll have to look. I might have some. I might have a spare somewhere. But I'll take a look. Um, the reason that Brian Jordan isn't is in there is he went to college in Richmond, so he wasn't born everywhere. That's anyone Richmond who was born. Spiders. Anyone. Uh, it might have been, but it could also have been a different one. It doesn't have. It was just. It could be a VCU as well. Like I don't know specifically. All right, next one. Uh, Moses Malone. Oh, 
Jackson's eyes say that he's never heard of that name at all. I thought this was one of the bigger names. I don't know. Uh, basketball. He's from Norfolk, Virginia. Um, played in both the ABA and the NBA from 1974 through 19... American the American basketball, basketball Association. Through 1995, a center. He was named the MVP three times, was a 12-time All-Star, and an eight-time All-NBA team selection. He led the 76ers to an NBA title in 1983, winning both the league and finals MVP. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility in 2001. All right, next one. I don't think you're going to know this one. Claudio Reyna. I don't know. Soccer. As you would say. If you'd have said soccer, I would have said wrong, because I'm going to say 40. Uh, he was born in New Jersey, but he went to the Virginia Cavaliers for three years. Uh, former midfielder, he spent most of his professional career in Europe, playing for teams like Bayer Leverkusen, VfL Wolfsburg, uh, Sunderland, Manchester City, and Rangers in Scotland as well. I like the second um, to last team that you mentioned. Manchester City? Yes. I know. They just signed a defender for £77 million. Pounds. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, they don't have a big enough team anyway. They just splash the cash on a defender like that. Um, he finished his career for the no New do. York Red Bulls of the MLS. Uh, he earned 112 oh, caps playing for the U.S. national team. That's a lot. Uh, and he was selected for four different World Cups as well. Are, so. there, um, are the Red Bulls um, sponsored by Red Bull? Yes. That's why they called that. Uh, we got a few more. Bruce Smith. I don't know. Football. Norfolk again. Uh, an American former professional football player. Defensive end for 19 seasons, mainly with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he played his college football for Virginia Tech as well, so he stayed in state. Uh, he was twice All-American and was selected first overall by the Bills in the 1985 draft. See, this is when I started watching I mean, I football. I kind of like the Bills. Like the next year, I started watching in 84, so this is why Bruce Smith was a big name for me. Considered one of the greatest defensive ends of all time, Smith is the NFL's all-time career leader in quarterback sacks with 200. That's a nice round number. Uh, Smith also received 11 Pro Bowl selections and 8 First Team All-Pro honors while appearing in four consecutive Super Bowls with the Bills when they lost all of them. The Bills lost four Super Bowls in I a like row. I like the Bills. Alright, next one. Oh, I like Josh Allen and I also like the Bills. I thought I'd written down the wrong name to begin with, but I wrote his middle name, which confused me. Alright, what about Sam Sneed? Sam I Sneed did. was a big name. I would have known Sam Sneed when I was your age. Instantly, but he was an old player even then. At that point, golf—that's the clubs that I have. You know my seven iron I've had for like forty plus years. It's a Sam Snead club. So all my club, all my clubs I had in England were Sam Snead. Oh yeah, I heard. I heard you talking about Sam. Snead. So I knew that one straight away. He was from Ashwood, Virginia. He's credited with winning a record eighty-two PGA Tour events, tied Ooh. with Tiger Woods. Uh, he had seven majors, but he never won the U.S. Open, although he was runner-up four times. Ouch. Kind of like Bruce Smith. <laughs> four I last... think Tiger Woods is probably going to go higher because he still can play. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's winning another major. I think he. I think he's pretty much done. I don't think he's winning any more majors. But um, All right, last one. This will be one I'll be very interested to know. Lawrence Taylor. Football. 
Whew, thank goodness. As we're walking around the Hall of Fame, you're like, who's Lawrence Taylor? I was like, who's Lawrence Taylor? I'm like, you kidding me? Uh, he's from Williamsburg. He spent his entire career as a linebacker for the New York Giants, 1981-93. He is widely regarded as the greatest defensive player of all time. See, I know you asked who LT was. I gave you some basic facts. But then when I saw this was in, I was like, perfect. Uh, after an All-American career at UNC, woo-hoo, go Tar Heels. Taylor was drafted by the Giants for the second overall selection in the 1981 draft. He produced double-digit sacks each season from 1984 to 1990. So he had over 10 sacks every season, including a career-high 20.5 in 1986. Lawrence Taylor was a beast when I started watching football. That was almost like just after I started watching. He was named the league's MVP in 1986. I would hope so. Taylor is one of only two defensive players in the history of the NFL, the other being Alan Page, to have ever won the NFL MVP award, and no defensive player has won since him. He was named first... I thought J.J. Watt might have been, actually, but hey, apparently not. Uh, he was named first-team All-Pro eight of his first ten seasons, and he was second-team on the other two. Um, Wait, was what? a key member of the Giants' defense, nicknamed the Big Blue Wrecking Crew, and led New York to Super Bowl victories in uh, 21 and Super Bowl 25. So only two defensive players have been... I don't know. MVP players? Pretty much it's the quarterback. It's big? Most years it's the quarterback. What about wide receivers? I'm not saying they didn't get it. I said most years it's that. So you already picked the top two. Guess what the third one probably is? Running back. So yeah, defensive players tend to get overlooked for that. So, But no, that's how good Lawrence Taylor was. Um, I actually bought Mason Lawrence Taylor uh, card last Christmas. Because he was know. looking for one. I couldn't get that exact one, but I found a nice one. So I got him that one. I don't know the other person at all. I've never heard of Alan Page. It was 1971, so that's why you haven't heard of that person. Um, other inductees to the Hall of Fame is coach Don Coryell, who's unfortunately uh, deceased now, uh, linebacker Chuck Howley, defensive lineman Joe Klecko, and cornerback Ken Riley, who's also deceased as well. Um, this morning, while I was looking, because I was just checking, hey, is it actually today? Uh, this was on July 26, uh, 27th from the Pro Football Hall of Fame.com. 12 candidates in the seniors category and 12 other individuals in the coach contribute, uh, contributor category have moved another step closer to election uh, for the class of 2024. This is what you're asking about, JJ. The whole senior committee trimmed a list of 31 semi-finalists to 12 players. Each semi-finalist has played his last game no later than 1998. So this is, I guess, the 25th anniversary then, right? I guess that's why they chose it to be that. Um, here are some finalists of the 24. So there's 12, so we'll split them between us. You can do six, and I'll do six. All right. Ken Anderson. Ken Anderson was a quarterback from 1971 to 1986. Um, a four-time Pro Bowler who started at quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals from 1971 to 1986. He's a Bengal for life. <laughs> and he also won the league MVP in the 1981 season. I wonder why I gave you that one first. All right, I got uh, Maxie Bourne. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Linebacker, 1960 to 1970. And then in 1974, that's a big gap. I wonder if he tried to come back out of retirement after one season. Nine-time Pro Bowler, played linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Rams. And then he had his final season with the Washington Redskins. And this one surprised me, Jay. I thought this person was already in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. uh, Roger Craig, uh, running back 1983 to 93. The first NFL player to total a 
yards rushing and receiving in the same season. He won three Super Bowls for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, spent eight seasons with the 49ers and totaled 13,000 yards and uh, 73 touchdowns. Yeah, no, like when you put those players together, like I'm thinking Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, mm -hmm. Roger Craig. I honestly thought Roger Craig was in, um, so I'd be kind of... Well, I don't know. Perhaps the other players might be better, but Roger Craig was definitely a name to me that was significant. Uh, next is Randy Gratisher. Mm -hmm. 1974-1983, centerpiece of the Orange Crush defense. Gratisher played all 10 seasons as linebacker for the Denver Broncos, seven of which were Pro Bowl caliber years. Mm -hmm. Next was Joe Jacob. Jacoby mm -hmm. Tackle from 1981 to 1993. During his 13-year tenure, tenure, tenure with Washington Redskins, Jacoby won three Super Bowls and was named to the Pro Bowl four consecutive consecutive years. Now, I'm always a little bit concerned when it's a player who's going into the Hall of Fame, just because your team won, you might not be the best player on that team or anything. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes individual stats are important, but if you're in the Pro Bowl four years in a row, obviously you're playing pretty good. Uh, next one for me is Albert Lewis, defensive back, 83-98, to considered one of the top cover corners of his era. Lewis intercepted 42 passes in a 14-season career with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders. And the next one was a name I'd heard as well, Steve McMichael, defensive tackle, 1980-94, to Played 13 years in the Chicago, where he amassed 92 and a half sacks, two all-time first-team All-Pro, and member of the 1985 Super Bowl champion Bears. I think that's why I remember that one. That was kind of my first Super Bowl that I really remember the Bears. How do you get 92 and a half sacks? Two people sack at the same time, so you split it. You can't have like three quarters of a sack, though. <laughs> you either get the sack to yourself, or you get a half sack. Uh, if but three if people come people... inside, I don't know what that is. I assume it might just be a half for each of you at that point. What if ten people do it? It's a half. I know that doesn't add up to one sack, but I think that I believe that's how it works. But I will be checking those uh, DMs for people to tell us if I'm wrong on this one. All right, next one for you. Um, Eddie Meter. Um, was a quarter cornerback from 1959 to 1970. Meter played his entire career with the Los Angeles Rams, where he earned um selection to two first team All Pro teams and six Pro Bowls. He is a member of the NFL's All Decade team. Of the 1960s. Alright, I think you got another old player coming up as well. Art Powell, wide receiver, 1959 to 1968. I've heard of him. Surpassed 1,000 receiving yards five times. Finished 10-year career with 8,046 receiving yards and 81 touchdowns. Yep. Um, I got Sterling Sharp. Now, one player I was looking for was Shannon Sharp. And I don't Who's remember that? seeing... It was a really good tight end. Um, to me, he's like your... you thinking of Gronkowski. I'm thinking of Shannon Sharp, personally, for my ear. I'm not sure if Rob he's related, Gronkowski. but I didn't see... Um, I didn't see him in the Hall of Fame either. I'm not sure if it's related or not. Uh, Sharp made five Pro Bowls and three first-team All-Pro teams during his seven-year career with the Green Bay Packers, uh, cut short by injury. His 18 touchdown receptions in his final year is still the third best in league history. 
Uh, Otis Taylor, wide receiver, 65 to 75. He won a Super Bowl four ring with the Chiefs and two Pro Bowl selections, two first team All Pro selections, an AFL All Star selection, and won two AFL championships during his 10 year career. All right, the last one of the 12, JJ. Um, really old one. Um, Al Wister, um, tackle, defensive tackle, 1943 to 1951, member of the all-decade team of the 1940s. Big Ox helped the Philadelphia Eagles to two NFL championships and was selected to the first team all-pro unit four consecutive seasons. Yep. Um, and then we're on to the coaches. Um, I picked the first two because I recognize these names straight away. Some of these names to me are significant. Uh, Tom Coughlin, two-time Super Bowl winning coach, 42 and 46 with the New York Giants. Uh, the first head coach of the expansion Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Overall record in the NFL, 182 and 157 in 20 seasons. That's not much better than breaking equal. 182 and 157? I don't know if that qualifies, to be honest, but hey. Uh, next one, Mike Holmgren, head coach of the Green Bay Packers from 1992 to 98, and the Seattle Seahawks from 99 to 2008. Overall record, 174 and 122. Includes victory in Super Bowl 31 with the Packers and an NFC crown with Seattle. To me, Mike Holmgren would be a more obvious one. Although... Although he didn't win as many Super Bowls, he was his teams were so dominant. Um, he was when Brett Favre was playing in Green Bay. I know you know Brett Favre. Is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Mike Holmgren sounds like a definitely obvious pick to me. All right, who you got? Um, Frank Bucko Kilroy worked in player personal and scouting for the Philadelphia Eagles, um, Washington Redskins, and Dallas Cowboys. So he's somebody who's more behind the scenes, which is why it's probably not a name that you recognize. Um, Next one I did recognize, though. Robert Kraft, owner, chairman, and CEO of the New England Patriots since 1994. His teams have won six Super Bowls. Now, I am wondering for something like that, does he Tom deserve Brady. sort of like an honor? Tom like, Brady. all he did was put his money into the team. Like, I don't know. I'm not it, quite sure how I feel about things like that. Base. It might be because I hate the Patriots as well, though. Um, it's because they had um, Tom Brady and cool. Bill Belichick yeah. and Rob Gronkowski. All right, was a big part. Uh, Dan Reeves, head coach of the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants and and the Atlanta Falcons. Overall record of two hundred and one and one hundred and seventy four. Four conference championships in twenty three seasons and two time AP Coach of the Year. Uh, Buddy Parker, head coach of the Chicago Cardinals in nineteen forty nine. Whoa, that's an old team. I didn't even know. I don't think when I think Cardinals, I do not think Chicago. Uh, the Detroit Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Winner of back to back NFL titles with the Lions in fifty two and fifty three. Um, right, who you got? Art Rooney Jr. Imp Employed with the Steelers since 1961, from 1964 through 1986, worked in the Steelers scouting department. Currently, the Steelers vice president and member of board directors. Mm -hmm. Might um, help on that last name for the next Marty, one. I don't know. Marty Schottenheimer. Um, head coach of the Cleveland Browns, 1984 to 88. Kansas City Chiefs, 89 to 98 Redskins in 2001 the Chargers from 2002 to 2006 overall NFL coaching record of 205 139 and 1 
So he's a lot more over That's even. Good. Yeah, he's like over 60 games more than what he lost. Mm -hmm. So Marty Schottenheimer's teams were always over 500. Like he was, when I moved to the States, like he was with the Redskins pretty much at that time, just mm -hmm. for that one season. But I knew him before that from the Chiefs as well. To me, Marty Schottenheimer is another one that seems pretty obvious to me. Um, I think they're only picking one of these people though. I, I say two. I think they're picking two of these people. Uh, next one for me, Mike Shanahan, coach of the Raiders, Broncos and Redskins. Uh, two Super Bowl titles, overall record 178 and 144. Good coach, but only 30. I don't know. Sure. That seems too close to even to me to be uh, somebody who's getting in. Uh, Clark Shaughnessy, head coach of the Rams from 1948 to 49, and longtime assistant coach for the Redskins from 44 to 47, and the Chicago Bears from 1951 to 62. Did not know Clark Shaughnessy, I gotta admit. All right, last one from you, JJ. Um, Lloyd Wells. Scout for the Kansas City Chiefs from 1963 to 1974. First full-time African-American scout in the NFL. Ah, okay. And last one for me, John Wharton, director of pro scouting for the Cowboys from the 70s to the early 90s. Created play development programs in the NFL in 1991. Vice president player personnel for the Eagles in 92. Assistant director of pro college scouting for the Ravens until his retirement in 2002. <laughs> Jay's given a thumbs down for that. And in 2003, Wharton became the chairman of the Fritz Pollard Alliance, a position he held until 2019. I didn't notice this at the time. Isn't it Fritz Pollard, the person I just talked about who played for Akron. Mm -hmm. I think he was the uh, first, uh, he was one of two African-American players in that 1920s league. I did not notice that when I took the notes for this one. But So anyway, there's some of the people who are going to be for 2024. I think the current players, JJ, who have just retired for five years, I think that's a separate one. Um, and I didn't bother looking for that at this point. You but, hey, you know what? I thought at this point, I don't know how long we've been talking, but it's quite a long time. I was like, I think that's probably enough for this episode. Mm -hmm. so, Yep. All right. Oh, I just realized. Did you get any have... names? No, I did not. I, I, I just suddenly realized you don't have your you, you, I I not guitar. I didn't I even didn't, think about I it. I didn't feel like it. You gonna? Yeah, you didn't feel like it. You gonna? Have, you gonna hum ready. a guitar sound or anything ready. like that to finish? No, you can. No, just pretty much. I just shouted. I was like, JJ, we gotta record. And just you're like, edit okay. It in. I'm not editing it. In. It's alright. I think for one week it's fine. But, um, yeah, next episode, and you said 50, we should mm -hmm. do something special. Perhaps we Cricket. should. I don't know. Well, I know you want to talk Cricket about the Ashes. The Ashes is finished, though, so I don't okay. know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know you don't, but it's going to be mainly me doing all the work, though, for that one. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll think of something. Any outro or anything for this one? Uh, Just edit something in. 